Welcome to the Smart Strength Training Podcast. This is episode seven, and today I'm going to be talking about how to create your own strength training workout. Because every week someone asks me, can I put up online a example of a full body workout, an example of a pushing workout, an example of an upper body workout. And as much as I do that, I don't think it's overly useful because if you train four times per week and you have an example of one full body workout, what are you going to be doing the rest of the time? And have you created a balanced approach to your training overall? Because I do believe there is some real simplicity to building your own program. Um, So before we go into kind of like splits and how you choose your exercises and all that kind of stuff, I think it's worthwhile just pointing out that you probably should know, not you haven't got to know all of this like inside out, but there are exercise categorizations. So you think of all the thousands of exercises you see on social media. More often than not, they can be broken down into categories. And that is a great way then of being able to create what we classify as structural balance to your workout to make sure that you are training the entire body and not missing bits out. So some of this stuff I'm, I'm sure you've heard before. So for lower body, we have knee dominant squat patterns. We have hip dominant hinge patterns. And we have lunge patterns that include like locomotion, like moving into them. And these can be either hip or knee dominant. So squat patterns, hopefully you probably know a few of those. Split squats, back squats, often the uh, the name gives those away. Hip hinges are probably a little bit harder to spot because the word hinge is never in there. Um, but this is things like your Romanian deadlifts. Deadlifts themselves are more hip dominant than the knee dominant. And there's a massive crossover here. So it's really important to point out that you can make a squat a bit more hip dominant and you can make a, a hinge a bit more knee dominant. So it's not a perfect model, but generally speaking, we can look at squat patterns, we can look at hinge patterns, and then we've got these lunge patterns that involve locomotion. Upper body. So for upper body, nice and simple. There are movements either where we are pushing weight away from the body. So the load is moving away or there's movements where the load is being pulled towards the body. So we've got pushes and pulls and we can do this in either a horizontal plane, literally pushing in line horizontally with the chest or a vertical plane. So we could be pushing overhead. So horizontal push and pull and a vertical push and pull pull and people get really confused with what's like a an angled inclined chest press i appreciate we can we can expand this further but for the sake of simplicity squat hinge lunge upper body push pull in the horizontal and vertical plane i think that is a great way to simplify it right down and i have arguments online online with trainers that oh but you put this exercise into a push workout and that's a pull it's not a perfect model and it is up for some interpretation. That's not the most important thing. The most important thing is that we have a fairly rough idea of exercise categorization and you don't have to disappear into the weeds too much with it. Just know that there's, it's not a perfect system. It doesn't need to be a perfect system. So before you start picking your exercises, which is kind of like the natural thing to do at this stage, um, the best thing to do actually is to work out how many exercises you're going to have to choose because if you're training three times per week versus five times per week, obviously that's going to change how many exercises you can do per week. Also think about how long your exercises, how long your, sorry, your workouts are going to be um, and how many big complex exercises you like doing in a workout because a workout, you can probably get somewhere between five 
to eight exercises per workout. If you're doing more than eight exercises per workout, I don't think that's very smart. And I'll, I'll explain why in just a moment. Uh, but generally speaking, five to eight exercises in a 45 to 60 minute workout, I think is about right. So let's say you're going to train three times per week and you're going to train with six exercises per session. So, you know, you've got 18 exercises to choose from. You could very logically just say, hey, I'm going to do nine upper body exercises and nine lower body exercises. Absolutely fine. But of course, you might want to add in some core exercises. You might have some rehab stuff you'd like to do. So you can split that differently. You could say, right, I'm going to do seven upper, seven lower, and maybe four additional exercises. But I think it's worthwhile setting that intention from the start. But if you're like, hey, look, I care more right now about focusing on strength and building muscle on my lower body. I'm not too bothered on my upper body. I quite just want my upper body to stay. I want to retain lean muscle mass, but maybe not build it. You might then decide to do the majority of your work on your lower body and say do 10 lower body exercises, five upper body exercises, and then say three core exercises. But again, like I said, I think it's smart to set that expectation from the get-go. Let's come in here now with a conversation about training splits. So how you organize your workout. I mentioned just now, like people ask me about full body. So full body workouts are an option. A pushing day and a pulling day can be an option. That can be just up body pushes and pulls. Or you could do pulls and hinges as a session by itself. And you could do up body pushes and squat patterns as a session by itself. You could choose an up body day and a lower body day. And of course, there is the kind of classic chest day, back day, arm day. I'm not a big fan of this. I don't think it's overly versatile for a recreational strength person. It's big in the bodybuilding world. I think it can stay in the bodybuilding world. Bodybuilders do use steroids. Therefore, they have a greater ability to recover. So looking at what the pros in bodybuilding do and thinking that filters down to you and I, I just don't think smart. Uh, by doing all your leg exercises in one workout or all your chest exercises in one workout is certainly going to make you very sore, um, but it also could potentially drop your performance from subsequent lift. If you've done a chest press and then you're doing push-ups and then you're doing dumbbell incline chest press, then cable flies, you continuously get more and more and more fatigued. So by the time you're doing the last two exercises, you've trained that muscle group so many times. I just don't think it's a very smart way to go about organizing your workout. If you've gone to the example, like I mentioned, something like, like 10 lower body exercises and five upper, you might then decide to write and have three workouts per week, two lower body workouts, one upper body workout. So it might become very obvious how you're going to split your workouts. If you've never tried full body, I'd give that a go. If you've never tried upper lower, maybe give that a go. Um, but I don't honestly believe the split makes a huge amount of difference. The totality of work that you do per week is more important than how you organize it into a split. And by that, I mean the fact that you've got 10 lower body exercises is more important to know about how someone's going to progress. I would expect with 10 lower body exercises, five upper body exercises, that you're going to see more muscle growth on the lower body than you would on upper body. Um, how you organize that into full body push-pull, it actually doesn't matter. Sometimes, like I said, it, it might be logical that you have to program a certain way because you've got so many more lower body exercises to deal with. So when it comes to exercise selection, have to appreciate that 
some exercises just by default are more taxing than others. So if you've ever done a back squat or a deadlift, they are tough exercises to do much harder than say a leg curl or leg extension machine. So if you're choosing your exercises and you're going to go and skew them all to these big compound exercises, so you've got deadlifts, squats, bench press, chin up, military press, leg press, where you're using a lot of external load, you're not going to be able to get that many exercises into your workout. Um, it is smart to also think about, you probably want to make sure you've got some isolation, less skill-based exercises, less taxing exercises across your workout. This is especially true if anyone is doing four or more workouts per week, because you're not going to have as much chance to recover. If someone's doing six strength training workouts per week, you probably want to speak to a professional to make sure they help you with your programming because there are more things to understand around managing recovery. As much as I said, the 10 lower body exercises versus five would allow for more growth on lower body. That doesn't continue in that trajectory. If you go, right, 10 exercises, let's go to 15, let's go to 20. There is 100% a point of diminishing returns because at some point you can't recover anymore. And then you'll find the sheer amount of workload you're putting through a particular muscle group is causing you an inability to perform better workout to workout. And that's where people start to really um, plateau across their exercises or across their workouts. So you, there is a sweet spot with this kind of thing. So roughly by now, you should have a good idea of your how many exercises you're going to be doing per week, because you should know how many times you're going to train per week and how long your session is going to be. Um, I think you should have written down how many lower body exercises may be and how many upper body exercises there are. So now it's time to bring back in this conversation, squat hinges, lunges, up body push and pull, vertical and horizontal. So if you're doing a full body workout, it's nice and straightforward. You can put a, a squat, a hinge, an up push and up pull into each workout. If you're doing upper lower, obviously, again, you have squats and hinges in the lower body workouts and then you have a push pull in the upper body workout. So it, hopefully it should start to make a bit of sense where these exercises are going to go. Put your big rock exercises in place first. So you're not having too much competing fatigue from one workout. So you're not putting your squat, your deadlift and a leg press all in the same workout and making that workout just very, very hard. Look at the workout, the exercise you've got, spread the most taxing exercises equally across the workout. So you've got maybe two or three taxing exercises per workout. So it's not all dumping everything into one workout itself. Just a question about lunges. Lunges, you'd probably only choose one, maybe two lunges total. Whereas your squat patterns, you might have a back squat, you might have a leg press and a split squat as your options across all your workouts across three days per week. But a lunge pattern, you'd only choose probably one. Um, you don't need to have a lunge in every single workout. So like I said, if you're training more than four times per week, then the position of the exercises becomes more important because you do want to make sure that you are um, giving yourself enough time to recover from workout to workout. So if you know that like your grip isn't overly strong and you've got a deadlift in one day, a Romanian deadlift in the next day, a pull up the day after, you might find that your grip is going to be fatigued, certainly if those days weren't spaced out. So there is some... I wouldn't say it's complexity. It's usually you get into lifting the session and then you're like, oh, actually, this is getting quite hard on my grip strength. And you might need to tweak things as you go through it. So you're not having too much carryover of fatigue on things like grip and, and also things like the lower back. Uh, if you've got too many exercises where the load goes directly through the spine. So if you've chosen a lot of barbell loaded on the rear, like reverse lunge, barbell loaded from the rear, back squat, front squat, lots of 
bar on upper body, that's just very, very tough. So you probably want to make sure that you are sensible about how much workflow the spine has to do. You probably also need to think a little bit about your own injury history. If you know you've got a history of knee pain, I'm not saying don't train the knee. I'm just saying you might need to choose exercises sensible around the knee. So you might not choose to have a big squat because that could be at this stage potentially too taxing for the knee joint. And it's important to point out as well, you don't have to have a back squat and a deadlift. Back squatting is just a variation of the squat. It's not the one you have to do. Deadlifting is the same. It's just a hinge variation. I have plenty of clients, and myself included, actually. I don't currently have a big uh, deadlift variation in my workout. Um, and it's okay to do that. Okay, so let's talk about how long you're going to do this program for. So you set your workouts up. You've got all your exercises in that order. I would say it should be at least eight weeks is the absolute minimum I would suggest to stick to the same thing. And if you're an intermediate or advanced lifter, and you have got to your max on quite a few exercises um, early doors in your workout, you're going to need longer blocks. If you've ever worked with a squat or a deadlift, you'll know that across eight weeks, nothing really happens too much. So you would want to have 12 to 16 week blocks. So eight is the absolute minimum. 16 weeks, I think, is probably... Uh, what I think is quite a smart place to be, but somewhere between 12 and 16 weeks. And yes, you heard right. So three months to four months doing the same thing. So make peace with the fact that progression takes time and it's important to stick to it. But of course, I don't want you getting bored. So what I suggest to do is every four weeks, make one or two changes to each day, but don't just change things for the sake of it. Change things for a good reason. So you're at your limit, you just find it's a bit niggly, you don't really like the exercise, but don't just start making full changes to all five or six exercises. I would strongly advise just make a few subtle changes. So the majority of the exercises do stay in there, certainly for eight weeks, maybe 12 weeks, and you can rotate some of the bigger lifts out if you wanted to, but I do think it's nice and smart. What I think is a really great thing about 16 weeks is I will make very small changes at the four-week stage. I might make larger changes at the eight-week stage. And those changes I make at eight weeks, I leave all the way through the next eight weeks. And every four weeks, I'm just making small tweaks again. So you actually get quite a lot of um, exercise variety coming through there, but you still get a lot of consistency at the same time. Back to what I said earlier, if you're doing more than eight exercises per workout, I am questioning your exercise selection and I'm questioning how hard your load selection or how close to your max your load selection is if you are choosing good exercises pushing them hard you should not be able to do more than eight exercises in a workout uh, unless the workout's taking that much longer and if your workout's taking that much longer then there's a question around are you fueling yourself well for those workouts are you tracking your progress and really making sure those last few exercises of the workout are of a high quality because an expression i use a lot on my social media is junk volume which is basically people just doing loads of extra exercises, but just sort of like getting through them just to get the work done. Better to do fewer exercises pushed harder with appropriate load close to or to the point of technical failure than there is messing about with tons of stuff, junk stuff. And I'm going to pick very specifically on glute training. 
I see terrible programs promoted online with mini band kickbacks and donkey kickbacks and all these small glute exercises. Absolutely fine to do isolation work on glutes. Brilliant. Great. If you've got 12 exercises in your workout and six of them are mini band glute exercises, that is a complete waste of your time. Better choose one or two exercises that you can load properly and push hard and use that time much more efficiently. Okay. So that's it. By now then, hopefully you've got a rough idea of this exercise categorization. Um, a bit of understanding that splits aren't that important, but they might be dictated to by the exercises that you have chosen um, and an idea of how to spread these exercises out throughout your workout and the overall duration that this training program should last you. If I'm going to be critical of the way that I observe people train in the gym on a day-to-day basis, I do not see enough people sticking to programs, logging their weights, progressing what they're doing and seeing things through to the end. There is too much either not using a program or program bouncing where every four weeks they're just going into new workout, trying a new app, trying the next best thing. Stick to what you're doing. It's better to choose a basic program, maybe with a few errors in it, but pushed hard, progressed and stay consistent than it is to second guess yourself and every five minutes be changing things around. And if you want help with your own programming and you'd like some advice on getting your nutrition aligned to that program, then I am available for one-on-one online training.